This is the Human Node Podcast. Human Node is the first crypto biometric network where one human is equal to one node. Learn how you can become a human node at humannode.io. Hey, Sean, you here? Hey, Dado, yep, I'm sure here. Well, I guess we can probably start, you know, people are getting up. Hey, everybody. You know, um, in order to keep things organized, uh, basically, if you have something to say or you want to express your opinions on stuff, just, you know, stay that down in the chat and we'll let you in because otherwise it's going to be a mess here. Yep, and just to uh, familiarize everybody with the format, um, we plan to hold a live fireside chat once every two weeks or so. Um, sometimes it might just be uh, between core members. Sometimes we might have guests from various networks to talk about topics that in general will relate to humanoid and i guess sometimes you know we could uh, have sessions where we talk about whatever but uh, for this session for this fireside we want to talk about community ownership because this isn't something that we really talked about in our paper or um, in our articles yet so dado do you want to start out yeah i mean um we don't really want to call it community ownership yet. You're like we're looking for a name for it, but you know, so that you know people won't just remember <laughs> as it is. Yeah, but well, know, actually, you know, yeah, you know, one yeah. one thing that I want to say here in the beginning is that towards the end of this fireside, um, and you know, not just this fireside, but we'll continue on for probably a couple weeks. But we want to come up with a term uh that represents this concept of community ownership that we'll be talking about you know we we are calling it co-ownership just for you know for lack of a better word right now but also it's referred to as something else mm -hmm. so what I do mean, you shen do you like uh, can you think about you know real life examples that uh can describe this thing and not you know blockchain terms hmm well i mean was there like it, a single like uh, directly auditable public good out there i i i, I can't remember really... yeah I'm, I'm i've been trying to think about this you know over the past couple of weeks here and i mean there are terms for co-ownership you know it's you know as simple as that co-ownership or you know if you're a uh, equal shareholder in a company or llc i mean you have uh, equal ownership uh, and you have i guess depending on the structure equal rights but what we're talking about here is i mean the whole structure of humanoid isn't you know one company owns it all and you know you have your investors and you have the you know general public and you know the community but uh 
yes, we have a core team that is formulating things and are putting things into uh, an action based on our vision here, but we we will be expanding this to everybody who participates, everybody uh, in the whole community here. And that starts to sound like socialist. <laughs> socialist? I mean, um, you know, basically there's like a problem in anything that's being created by communities. Uh, mm -hmm. Like, um, how do you really understand what belongs to whom if uh, con communities contributing to build something together? I mean, mm -hmm. it's a common uh, problem, you know, with um, open source projects there. Um, they're basically everywhere that there are a lot of different computer contributors to that. And mm -hmm. um, if there's no real life incentive of uh, financing some stuff, it just, you know, stalls in development. That's, mm -hmm. a, that's a really big problem. Well, um, let me say, when, you know, if you're talking about a normal company structure, right? You know, you have the, the shareholders, the shareholders invest in the company and using that investment, you develop products or, you know, whatever. And the, the ownership, uh, basically, I mean, it's the company is the owner, but the shareholders are the owner of the company. Therefore they uh they they have co-ownership so we say right but i mean in, in this situation like shareholders are, are not really uh working with their hands right their their com contribution is solely uh in terms of finance. monetary yeah. yeah but um you know um as um Human is going to be a network decentralized on equal peers, uh, which are basically deployed through biometric processing of uh, real human beings. Mm -hmm. um, it is interesting to state that there's like a thing that we call co-ownership for now, uh, that is basically a public good uh, that is being scaled to the number of validators and they like own that public good equally, regardless of how many validators are there? I mean, if there's like a 5,000, then it's scaled so that 5,000 people can own it, uh, you know, in the equal amounts. And if for some reason, the number of validators gets like uh, higher and we have like 10,000 people, then this uh, right of ownership is automatically scaled to uh, basically that number of people. And uh, oh, that's like a, liquid system of owning stuff that is basically uh, created on top of this protocol and yeah it, it faces lots of challenges in legal terms as well because you got like an organization that is constantly changing in terms of uh ownership structure and you know at the same time people are actually a part of it because they are providing their biometrics to safeguard the system from civil resistance. Mm -hmm. I mean, civil attacks though. Yeah. And I mean, just, okay, let's think about this in, 
uh, I guess, well, let's start off with monetary terms, I guess, you know, a lot of the projects will be funded through the investment. And then there's the foundation, right? Well, there's also always a foundation, but those foundations are, you know, it's uh, the, the the legal side of the uh, question here. So they, they only exist because, uh, you know, out the system requires them to exist so that people mm -hmm. don't go to jail and stuff like this. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, David, how, how do you see this? Uh, how do you see this working? I mean, improve work, improve stake-based uh, systems. Um, the validators are really different in terms of, you know, the stake. And um, there's like, in delegated proof stake systems, there's like a bunch of validators that are sitting on top. And um, the, the question of ownership that they're like creating for the system is not really a question though, because they're like validators and there's also like a foundation company that um, really delivers, you know, the code because mostly validators are not really, um, like some of them are coders, but most of them are just, you know, entrepreneurs uh, uh, supporting the system. Well, basically in human node, uh, all validators are equal in terms of voting validation power. And that means that uh, everything that we build is scaled to be owned by every single person participating in the network. Um, and uh, there is like no legal framework uh, attached to that thing. It's just purely um, innovative in terms that there's like a right or a service being provided on chain that is uh, like, how can I say this? is being like propagated to every single agent in the system in liquid state because you know validators can hop in and they can can help out so yeah hmm. i mean so, uh, yeah i mean you know there there are i mean talking about legally yes there um quite sure there's going to be some challenges but at the same time if you think about you know what we are trying to accomplish here in the long term um it is you know the most logical system i mean we're, we're trying to create this this uh shall i say global enterprise here that that benefits all participants oh. we're trying to and we're trying to give equal voice to uh, the participants of the network you know it's it's like it's better if i like give an example of such thing you know mm -hmm. okay. so for for example um we're going to like, they're like different technological stacks involved in human node. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of them, for example, is like uh, decentralized liveness detection of human beings, you know, so that um, there is like a special system that, uh, that uses neural networks to um, understand whether it's a real human being or not in front of the device. Mm 
Um, and, uh, you know, it is very important that um, we are able to audit every single uh, transaction that goes through, like, so that every node inside the system uh, owns uh, this neural network that delivers lines detection in equal manner. Otherwise, for example, if there was uh, a bunch of validators that were like uh, working as a cartel sitting on lightness detection, they would be able to spoof and spawn multiple, uh, you know, accounts and identities if other validators didn't have, you know, uh, rights to audit what what's happening inside. So we also create a co-ownership of uh, decentralized lightness detection that is uh, like, it is like a public good because everyone uses it every single time they want to verify their existence through biometrics. But at the same time, it's accessible by every node validator uh, to audit any single transactions happening inside and uh, be sure that, you know, it's not just fake uh, identities spoofing on the network. But you know, there's like a third characteristic to that as well, I think. And I've talked about this already. It's like the scale of this thing. If there are small validators, then it should be distributed in, an, in another way when the, the number of validators changes. And it's a challenge to build such a thing, you know. Hmm. Hmm. So, you know, when, when you talk about scaling, you know, obviously, you know, we've talked about starting out with, you know, anywhere from 1,000 at the initial stage to about, you know, 10,000 validators at the start. How, how big would you ex expect this pool of validators to grow? Well, that's a very good question, Shannon. Um, you know, we're initially aiming at like 10,000 people uh, mm -hmm. because, well, even coordinating a thousand people has a very big overhead for, you know, coordinated attacks on the system. Mm -hmm. But what's probably is like the best uh, solution here is like have uh, bulks of validators enlarge with uh, the number and the, you know the time that goes on and i mean when we're sure that um most of the validators that joined us uh have gone through proof time and proof devotion systems you know and um are more or less reliable then we can like uh as anything that goes in a human node we can have a vote uh, through vortex and basically you know decide how many how many validators we want to you know have in the network we can shrink this we can like enlarge this number and stuff like this mm -hmm. so in okay let's say you know we we start out with you know uh ten thousand do you see this at any time growing to let's say a hundred thousand or a million. Well, I, I hope that, like, uh, in four years' time, there's like from one hundred thousand to a million validators. But you know, the end goal here is that there is no like permission of how many validators we can have. I mean, the goal is to have a system where uh, a person can become a validator anytime he wants to become one, uh, 
simply through you know biometric encryption of his biologically unique uh, things on his body or inside mm -hmm. it. But um, you know the the, the question is like why do we have to limit the amount of validators we have now? Is mostly due to the uh, you know underlying hard specs and technological specs that we're utilizing. And we're just, you know, um, conducting 100,000 um, verification of existence in a month. It's, it's a challenging thing to mm -hmm. carry out with all the bandwidth and, uh, you know, the size of biometric templates, uh, the size of uh, the neural network SDKs required to conduct the operation. It's, it, it's, it's like, it's all about the bandwidth, you know. So it doesn't take people uh, several weeks to verify their existence or, or more, you know. Mm -hmm. Because the more there are like people uh, being like validator nodes, the more every single transaction that is carrying out, you know, search and matching operations on a database, it has to go through m much more like uh, biometric templates before it hits um, the one it wants to hit. and. The, the more there are like uh, embedded templates in the database, um, well, it really affects the precision of the matching operation and it drops significantly. Mm -hmm. So what it comes down to is technological advancement and continued development to, to scale. Yep. Which, which <laughs> requires, uh, not only you know the few people we have here but the community really growing and bringing in uh more talent <laughs> but you know I, you know one thing that uh you know throughout this project one thing that i've always um thought of is I mean, not, not to say, oh, this is going to be socialist, whatever, but, um, you know, when, when you have big companies, and there are two things. One is when you have big companies controlling uh, your private data or controlling your biometrics or whatever, it can become a nightmare scenario very quickly. I mean, you're, you're under the thumb of a few people who have a lot of power and a lot of money and they tend to want to keep it that way so if we're talking about a you know a system that deals with biometrics at least personally i'd feel much more comfortable if this system was um not under the hands of a few elite or a few billionaires, meaning a more uh, public system where uh, people have, uh, they actually have more stake in it rather than just, you know, their biometrics, but also have, you know, a say in it becomes really important. The other thing is, is when you're developing I mean, any kind of systems, any kind of infrastructure, uh, any kind of company, actually, you know, you can, you can 
build some wonderful things. You can build wonderful in infrastructure. You can, you know, do governments or, you know, whatever. But unless it involves uh, everybody who's affected, you know, if, unless it in, involves uh, a wider community, it tends to get very one-sided. And, um, and if it's not inclusive, it really dampens the growth, shall we say. And it turns out that, yeah, you know, you, you're not really interested in it because you didn't have say in it. But if we're able to create a system that balances both, that gives broader uh, ownership, you know, of course, you know, with uh, guidance and clear vision, um, and gives voice, it has the potential of being something much greater without having the risk of being turning into a quote unquote monopoly. But I mean, even if you have like a crowdsourced, public oriented system, you would have like subjectively have uh, developers that are basically building that from the very beginning and um, that, you know, more know more much about the system than others will kind of still arise as the leaders that are controlling mm -hmm. this. So I don't really know if, whether like there's a solution to the concentration of um, some vision around a platform in the hands of a few because like not everyone can build it that's that's true i mean there will be some concentration you know in in whatever system it is there will be you know the few stars that will be uh contributing a lot and leading the projects but as we all know um every single person is replaceable and you know especially you know we have the vision and we started to head in a direction yes there will be the people you know leading it they'll they'll be ho holding the torch marching forward in the darkness but if the torch is properly lit you know the person holding the torch uh can fall and die and the person standing behind them will pick up the store the torch and march on forward <laughs> now um we have um you know thought about um dealing with the problem of contributions to the ecosystem uh, mm -hmm. and we really want to uh, kind of through you know vortex and formation make it so that you know any code review any like um pull request any contribution to like repositories of the open source code of humanode would um uh, deliver some proof of devotion to the person actually making it right mm -hmm. now imagine if um like if there's a group of people that have gathered up that have uh, created a proposal on humanode uh, to create the you know a service or a public good for people you know so that 
they could uh, create something good for the network itself. Although this like three people uh, got their devotion and stuff like this, um, they're like, the thing they have created from scratch will uh, be attached to the system. And as of now, it will be uh, the ownership of this thing will not be left in their hands, but be distributed among every single validator inside the system. And uh, they will have the same like say in the questions regarding that public good as anybody else. Now, do you see, do you see like this being fair? Well, I guess it comes down to, I mean, you know, obviously you have to create a system in where there's a balance, you know. Um, of course, you know, you'll be gaining proof of devotion, which, you know, gives you more say in general, but, and I'm assuming that many of these developments will be done um, through the formation. And there will be some uh, financial incentive. But yeah, I mean, the, the question is really, you know, how do you balance the reward for work and um, the matter of uh, ownership. Okay, then another case, for example, you know, it's about balancing the rewards. So some some guys create something for the ecosystem, right? Now uh, they request um, some f funds from the ecosystem to, you know, uh, accommodate for the expenses. And um, it, they don't take a lot like maybe a thousand bucks for example and uh, later on what they build scales so much and just blows up inside the ecosystem everyone's using it and uh they what they got was a thousand bucks does that seem fair no i actually you know i um i mean it might be important to you know for example inventors for technologies they get uh you know this is not in the world i guess of open source but let's say for a company you you invest you invent something you um even if you are an employee of a company and you invent something under the you know in the labs of the company while receiving a, a salary and bonuses and whatnot you still get a small percentage uh whatever the percentage is uh from the sales of the goods as an inventor is this something that uh would be good to implement or is this something that you know is there other ways of working with this you know if well, there's if, yeah go ahead i mean if if you're making somebody pay for the public good 
it's not really a public good. True. <laughs> right. Or 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 simply put, if you're utilizing it on chain with a like a transaction that has commission, then maybe you could get a part of that commission if you're utilizing this channel, right? Maybe that's you know, maybe that's an option. But it leads to like centralization of funds, no? It it depends. I mean, you know, once again, we're just we're just you know brainstorming here. This is just you know various thoughts that are going into the process here. So, no, not, I, yeah. I mean, like for example, right? Um, in 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 like in a year, there will be people that will gather up and build a centralized lightness detection mechanism, right? Yeah, and. Um, it's a lot of effort. You gotta, you know, create all the framework. Uh, you gotta basically uh, train it all the time, and uh, then every single validator is going to get um, into the network. Is practically going to use that mechanism. And uh, now, if they those guys, you know, receive some fixed rewards from the ecosystem, mm -hmm. uh, well, would be fair if you know they're. Uh, delivered public good uh, is used <laughs> by millions and millions of people. Um, just, just my personal opinion. I mean, there will be those who, you know, in, in any world that are just, you know, happy to have their goods you know be used by many people but you know obviously the effort the training the uh, education to be able to create that uh you know has cost you know time and money uh usually what you know in, in a case of normal corporations you know let's say if the inventor gets 3% and the company gets, you know, 97%, uh, you know, that would be a fair deal. And, you know, if, if we have a system where, let's say, we have the decentralized liveness detection that is designed by uh, a person or a group of people. And, um, you have the designer, the inventor of the system, or a team, or however however it is decided, uh, earns a certain, you know, fixed percentage of the earnings that that made. In you know, then that would be you know great incentive. You know, if millions of people used it, and if that was something that was generating. Uh, extra funds, you know, yes, the community will benefit, but as the inventor uh, or the the core team that had worked on that, uh, if they got something, then that would, I think it would be, you know, considered fair. You know, actually, you, you, uh, you basically gave me an idea. For example, you know, uh, if someone trying to build something on uh, other networks like Ethereum or Cosmos, even if it's like a scaling solution for uh, the network, 
they mm -hmm. usually end up making their token, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but it's it's like uh, a scaling solution for for the original like base token, right? So mm -hmm. why would you make your second token if it's like purely to use this solution? You know, mm -hmm. that's why you, you gotta buy it separately. And uh, there were like many companies that started out with tokens, but they were rendered completely completely useless uh you know with time mm -hmm. and i mean if there was like some kind of um um for example uh let me explain like this so again you know returning to decentralized liveness detection some guys gather up and make this proposal uh it goes to work it's being voted upon and then it goes to formation to actually seal the funding from the ecosystem and uh, uh, find a team and that will be mm -hmm. you know hold responsible for development of that thing mm -hmm. now they they as you said they probably can stake the amount of commission percentage mm -hmm. from transaction that they want to receive uh, in different ways to their wallets for something that they have created you know like mm -hmm. for example if somebody uses that solution on human node and uh, they get like one percent from the commission spent because they've mm -hmm. been the ones who created it mm -hmm. and it makes sense and you know all the transactions and all the uh you know the division of uh, the commission between the members happens uh on chain and it's all written down and it happens in the original native token and that could be very you know useful and at the same time it can uh it can solve a problem of the incentive for the people because mm -hmm. uh, i mean for example you created a public good right and now it's scaled to the system and the ownership is scaled to every validator inside and uh, if if you have no like incentive you have to basically to upgrade this public good because you know uh, technology technology always upgrades you have mm -hmm. to make a new proposal again right mm -hmm. or if you're a team behind this solution and you're like receiving some percentage of transactions for delivering it to the ecosystem base basically you don't really have to you know make new proposals to receive the funding for it because you're receiving funding for it every single day every single second so because somebody's mm -hmm. using it yes i mean just you know just throwing out random numbers here but let's say we let's say transaction fees you know we're envisioning something around you know two percent goes to the formation then you know 98 percent goes to the community now what if it was like okay so two percent goes to the formation one uh, percent or you know 0 0.5 percent or whatever goes to the person or the team uh and you know the rest goes to the community it just if that is a way uh to do it and it would give not only people it would give you know possibly you know dedicated teams ways to actually fund their their teams in doing further development 
Um, you know, it really depends on whether the people on uh, in the ecosystem are using your service, right? Yeah, so obviously. So if we're, we're talking about some, I know, decentralized finance solution, where not everyone is using it, you're like kind of giving the commission to the guys only when you're carrying out the service. But mm -hmm. I think that like liveness detection is scaled to the like everyone and. Uh, there is going to be a lot of different uh, biometric modalities in the future, meaning that all of those modalities will have different approaches. They'll have different lines detection mechanism. Uh, you know, we could have people building distressed biometrics to any modality on human body. And uh, there's like a lot of different teams and services that have to be accommodated for. Yes. That is true. Yeah. So if, if we're talking about like ownership, like something that is scaled to um, like everyone and it's like in a, a very important part of the network, then yes, it, it would probably go down the way you just stated. But I mean, if it's just a service, then it's probably better for the guys to just create a token on top of this one and, you know, carry out as a separate company uh, and have their like token uh, allocation and uh, their separate token price for the services that they're running. Mm -hmm. yep. Well, it's definitely something that uh, we, we should continue to discuss and uh, get wide opinions on here. But uh, just going back to the very beginning, um, this, this concept of uh, ownership. Um, how how do we really want to describe it? I mean, yes, it is you know equal share in the pie, where you know you are a co-owner of everything here. It's you know it's not only talking about you know the products and services, but also certain rights that you enjoy join the community and what is a good word to describe this you know like uh basically the right to participate in vortex for example right mm -hmm. it's it's like also a co-ownership thing because it scales to the number of validators inside the network and you know as each validator's voting power is equal to one it, it scales equally again Mm -hmm. So uh, that's also like co-ownership at the same time. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, right to uh, have uh, a legit understanding of what's happening on chain, basically, to be sure that, you know, the numbers that you're seeing uh, in front of you are not just uh, some, uh, you know, third-party um, uh, parser of information, but... I really delivered the audit to you and you you can be sure about what you're seeing in front of you. That's like also co-ownership. <laughs> mm -hmm. But not really co-ownership because we don't really want that word, right? <laughs> yeah, we need to find a new word for it. And this is where I hope uh, the community will be able to pitch in here. I wonder... If 
sorry, I wonder if uh, people really get the idea of this co-ownership uh, and uh, those people who really want ownership of everything will get the like 66% of the votes and eventually uh, the DAO will be stuck in a situation where it has those people who don't want to give up their ownership, thus they don't want to increase the validator set or like giving out the ownership of technology that they themselves already used, though it was given to them just for participation. They didn't even create it. But I mean, what is the difference to you if you're like uh, owning it in the same proportion as everyone else at the, any time like there's no point in time where you have an advantage or anyone so you don't really care about your percentage of owning something you care about you know the equality between all the owners well assuming that uh, the people are not dumb you're right because when you have a bigger network uh, and more people in it, that means that there is more contribution to the network. We've got this all network ethics in terms of fees and security and everything. Uh, but I'm just talking about the fact that some people are just thinking, okay, are we to increase the validator set for like in for 20% and then we will be having less fees. Oh my God. And if there are like, uh, money-seeking people as uh, the people controlling the networks right now they are completely for-profit organizations that have their own investors like proof-of-stake companies or uh, mining pools mining operators they would really consider only the financial side like they're doing right now and you know, we, we might face those problems but I hope we can overcome them with the initial community of thousands of people who are not thinking only about money Oh, um, since we've been going for about 40 minutes now, um, I was wondering if anybody who are in the chat right now uh, have any questions or uh, thoughts or ideas that they would like to share. And if you are interested, please go ahead and um, uh, Yes, raise your hand in the chat and um, we can open this discussion up. Yeah, I mean, if you have any questions, guys, just go ahead. Well, well, I guess they don't. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, I was thinking about when should I like, well, I, I'm coming to the X system, right? And um, hmm. for example, I'm not going to uh, the proposal pool or Vorex, but I'm creating like, uh, we're creating um, a token with a service not through, you know, formation or not through the DAO, but, you know, just on top of it, but outside. Do we get any devotion like this? And how is it, how can it be calculated? Well, 
from my opinion, it, it is, they're certainly getting it if their technology is open source because uh, anybody could use this for the good of network and uh, it can probably be even integrated if they contributed to the protocol, for example. But overall, um, when they build those applications, what they do, they increase the number of fees got by the protocol because they still use it. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of devotion. Yes, but how do you calculate it? <laughs> like, in, how do you understand whether this is really devotion? I mean, you, you do understand the token on chain. Yeah, they did. And you, you, you calculate how, like, an ordinary devotion, you know, of participation, formation, but it was not, they didn't participate through formation. They weren't uh, voted upon. They can come and create a black market, yeah, the, the fee platform. Yeah, that's true. Even they're doing everything on our network, right? Yeah. And uh, in that case, I've got the answer for it in that, Yes, in the, you know, opt-in DAO that we will have in the beginning, this is not possible, but we should remember that in the end, the goal of our network is to be like self-accountable economy. And uh, that is where you could derive from that data, like what, what their devotion was, because you exactly know what contracts they had and uh, yeah, if they launched the company again on chain. But if, well, okay. And if they're like ZKP based, they don't share, they want to be private, but they're still bringing value. I mean, it's really hard to even tell how to, how to account for the, the amount of devotion they bring. Or if, if, if that devotion that they bring is against the will of the majority of Vortex, for example. Yeah, that would be a tricky situation there. But would you, in that case, would you count it as, um, you know, credits proof, you know, towards proof of devotion? Uh, what do you mean by that? Well, I mean, if this, let's say this is, uh, something that was voted down, let's say continuously by the community, they're not interested, but uh, you go ahead and create it and find it on your own and do it. And it runs on top of the system. Would you, and let's say a person uh is involved in governance in, in the future doing other things would that project uh be counted towards uh proof of devotion or not and my guess would be not really but i don't know if it if it turns out to bring um major benefits the community i guess it could be <laughs> you know you know it's one of those cases where it's really hard to tell you, you got you got to calculate the fish in, until you let them in the tank so yeah when it's out there it's just the 
the amount of direct and like uh, adjusting devotion that it brings and like value, it's it, it, it won't can be really calculated. Mm -hmm. Hmm. So, yeah, that's true because they they like. Uh, in their situation, when they register that off chain, they can say like, "Oh, we we didn't knew about that, and we just couldn't go and tell about that before doing that." And it sounds kind of strange because if you build something on a protocol and you really share everything the same, you you propose it directly. You don't do that uh, OTC, so to say. And uh, yeah, that was his choice to do that because if he did something over the protocol, he knows how the protocol works in the DAO, and it was his choice. That's it. Probably we should like type this rule for people to get it and not to be like exhausted after doing something off chain. Okay, I, ha I have a case for you. Okay, so the guy comes in to proposal, right? Pull. He creates a very wonderful proposal about creating like uh, a liquidity, um, providing you know platform, but uh, we just you know and he asks for um, like the investment support from the ecosystem, you know, so that you know formation gives him money to assemble the team and build it, and uh, Vortex says no, and or his pull request never got up, you know. Uh, to the Vortex itself, to be even voted upon. And then he goes, creates a token on top of you, creates the service, uh, and uh, everyone uses it. Mm -hmm. It's like, <laughs> it's very, very hard to calculate the amount of, uh, you know, the devotion the guy's bringing, because we kind of said no, but he still built it without the support of the community, but for it. Well, then he's a hero. That's that's not enough. <laughs> hmm. Well, I would just, you know, I'm assuming that he built a token on top of it. He's receiving uh benefits from that he's providing to the community through his services and the fruits that he got through his token is his and the services you know and the fruits from the community you know is equally shared which he gets you know an equal portion of Well, it's uh, it, can, it can it can be achievable, I guess. Well, is it? But it's still a you know a dilemma. It is a dilemma, indeed. So we've got like nine minutes left, and that's why I propose to start to talk about uh, what we do next time together with the people we have here and uh, discuss it openly because I have some ideas of that. 
I mean, we've got a bunch of dilemmas in different kind of sciences. And uh, for a small talk of uh, 15 minutes, we can bring up people with whom we had reasonable talks on the topic before and we understand that they can bring. So, for example, with our few of our new partners here uh, for the next time. That's true. I mean, you know, uh, Victor, who would you propose just just to throw out a couple topics and see if anybody here uh, would like to raise their hand to say, I want to hear this talk or I want to hear, you know, more about this scene. I mean, you know, obviously we can talk about, you know, IVFS, we can talk about cryptography, we can, you know, go more into liveness detection, you know, you know, what other themes are you thinking of, Victor? Well, I'm thinking of things just like today and uh, not on the technology topics even. Mm. I would like to raise the questions that everybody understands because this is the core processes of how we live, operate, and I would like to discuss the things like we discussed here today because there are a lot of angles from which we could look at it differently each time and uh, have the dilemmas that we can solve with people mm -hmm. uh, in, in inviting those people who like well pretty pretty people from good companies I'm, that's what I'm telling you about who are pretty well known to to uh, discuss it with it for people and uh, then yeah eventually telling them exactly for example what dilemma we're going to solve right mm -hmm. or from which angle probably well legal angle is what i want to discuss and a lot of people love that too a lot uh, because that's what gets us to the adoption of a new schemes of governance uh, over assets Now reaching out to the remainder of our listeners here. Does anybody else have any specific angle that they would like to discuss this about? If not, then I guess uh, we'll just have to get together and see who we can pull out of the hat. Dado, do you have any closing remarks? Yeah. Uh, if, if, if they're not going to vote, I'm going to talk about Europe Universalis on the next call. <laughs> <laughs> yes, for those of you who do not know, uh, we've been at war with Portugal and Spain, playing as... Oh, you really started this. <laughs> <laughs> playing as native... American no. Indian tribes in EU4. Yeah, but that's not a topic. <laughs> so, um, you know, uh, the ownership is a, like, um, is a smart contract stack, really, that we got to realize, uh, you know, and put together. 
And uh, we got to understand the intricacies behind it and um, build a proper architecture so that it can be scalable. The bandwidth uh, can be the, you know, uh, the biggest case because it's constantly changing. You know, it should be almost liquid. Uh, well, in terms of, you know, the validators coming in and coming out all the time. Mm -hmm. and, it's a technological talent challenge to all other technological stacks that we are already implementing. But if we can deliver this, we can you know, like deliver uh, instantly distributed right slash public good to everyone in the system, and it will be equal. And I mean, yeah, I know that's like, um, hmm. like uh, do I have to say this? But for example, if if a government right government decides to implement um you know decentralized uh, identity you know like human node that has nodes right uh it would just scale the rights uh the government scale on you the way they do already and any rights or obligations and uh basically they can be always verifiable and uh, you truly like directly control uh, that thing as a kind of citizen, you know. Don't you think this has sense? <laughs> well, I mean, we're we're talking about you know a citizen as you know a citizen of the world here. So. Yes, well, I mean, if you're talking about the human network itself, well, it's it's not a government, right? But I mean, if a government decides to scale like one human one node system uh, on their their like you know whole population, so that they could deliver like rights and obligations and uh, the ownership of public goods, their you know right to demand something from the government or anything in this way and it can well always be auditable and verifiable you know it it could be a really you know good liberal democratic change for any government out there true i'm looking at you sweden <laughs> it, it you know it would be interesting to see you know how many countries will be interested in experimenting And I wouldn't be surprised if some of the smaller countries wouldn't want yeah, to. Yeah, like Zealand. Yeah. Okay, so it looks like we're running out of time here. Uh, thank you very much, all of you coming and joining yeah. our first fireside. And uh, I would like to tell you, Shannon, that unfortunately, when you like have adoption in the countries like Sealand, mm -hmm. uh, well, this is not adoption. Nobody cares about this stuff, even if you like, <laughs> successfully implemented the project there. <laughs> I mean, it's a country. Yeah. Hey, it's what is always important in any project that I've done. It's to be able to do a proof of concept, and if it's successfully uh, managed to do a POC or two. Uh, a proof of concept project that works and you can prove that it's scalable, others will start to join in.
So uh, proof of concept kind of scalable shit. <laughs> because it's proof of concept. <laughs> proof of concept will be scalable. It actually quite often is, depending on your network. Well, yeah, but you'll have to have more modules there. <laughs> True. Technical, technological challenges. Um, so, so thank you everyone for attending this. Uh, we're we're, we're kind of gonna, you know, sit here, I guess, and just talk about other stuff. So if you wanna go, you can go because we're not going to talk about co-ownership. So thank you for coming. Yeah, and uh, we'll repeat it next week, probably same time, or if you tell us that's not a good time for you, we can change it to different regions from time to time as well. It's, this is going to be um, different. <laughs> Thanks. But, you know, Shen. Yeah, I mean, just, you know, one thing to remind our friends here is that, yes, we will be you know, bringing up a new topic or having a new chat once every two weeks. Uh, we hope more and more of you will join. And remember, uh, you know, after, you know, 30 or 40 minutes, we'll be opening the floor to everybody here. So if you have any questions, uh, comments, ideas, you know, you're more than welcome to contribute. And one of the key things in Humanode is, you know, we rely on the contribution of everybody. And the more you contribute, the better. So, uh, yes, I, I hope to see you next time too.